When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is. It's two o'clock here at Mutiny Radio. And time for... Some call me... Tim. Yes, some call me Tim. The show where we talk about things of an esoteric nature. I have with me on the phone today Warhol Kaufman. Yo. Yo, famous comedian, scriptwriter, poet, philosopher, artist, Some of that rapper, musician, all of it. Really hey, good napper. Nihilist. Napper? He's, he's a yeah, great really napper. Yeah. I've also become excellent at taking naps. Yeah, Pot really food helps so excellent. much. Just You almost didn't get me right now. I almost didn't get you? Where where yeah. were you? Are you okay? I was taking a nap. I set an alarm. Oh. <laughs> this is nap time. It's two o'clock on a Wednesday. It's middle of the week. It's the perfect time to nap. Yeah, it's like God's perfect nap time. Yeah. Uh so Today I wanted to discuss nihilism, and um, I was corrected. Nietzsche's an existentialist, but existentialist. But I was like, well, he Burgess it does spoke Zarathustra, Burgess into some nihilism. I think. I don't know. Saying God is dead is kind of a well, nihilistic thing. There's some real um, gray area there. I think it's kind of contextual. Not that I'm an expert uh, on French philosophy, but just as I understand it. Yeah, like I I enjoy Sartre quite a bit too. Uh, hell is other people. Well, there's a sense don't. of humor to it, regardless. You know, you could. It's sort of like a scale of how far you want to take it. I think. I've been having a great time in COVID because I'm a nihilist. It's just a great. <laughs> like, yeah. nothing has meaning. So, <laughs> so let's do whatever we want. I, um, I think about the words like. You know, asocial, antisocial, and social. Like, I would say that um, I use the word asocial, but I I really use it to mean um, what the definition of antisocial I believe traditionally is, which is like I like I like people, but I'm interested in challenging institutions. Right. I like people individually. But as a whole, society is a pile of dog shit. Yeah, I mean, I don't like all people individually, but, like, there are people that I like, and the institutions are not helping them as much as I feel is uh, ideal. So if we could just smash them, that would be fine. Right, because no matter what systems we put in place, they're not going to help everyone. So let's help you know, no one. Um, I mean, so like I would argue that I have empathy. So it's like it's not like you're not, not a like sociopath. True, <laughs> it's not true. Um, you know, I mean, like the Joker was a nihilist. You know, right? But also a sociopath. So you can be a nihilist so, and not be a sociopath. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm facing a crossroads between fuck everything 
I want to die, and like I'll just uh, tend the garden plot. You know what I mean? I don't want to die. I have no. That's my whole thing. I want to live, and I want to live every minute to its utmost. I have no. I have no thoughts about ending it for me. I have thoughts about ending it for other people, but not me ending it. Because I'm not a sociopath. Because I have empathy and I want everyone to live their best life. Ubermensch. <laughs> but I think existentialism is more passive, though. So, like, nihilism, you know, you can really seize on to more. Because there's more action. I like, I mean, I, I like action. Well, yeah, there, there's, like, an active impulse as opposed to just, like, boredom or... Um, depression which like like you know like I said there's I think overlap so it's like how useful like are you you know you, you could apply the philosophy in a utilitarian manner potentially like I think it's fun to dismantle things you know rather than dis- demolish them to like analyze and like take them apart conceptually and deconstruct them yeah well i'm i'm definitely seeing a deconstruction happening right now in the in the in the tethers of society what what's keeping us what's keeping us all together is starting to dissipate and we're seeing those who follow the rules and those who don't i think that there's not well i mean this is not like it's not like this is my idea but there's there, there's less of a consensus reality so that the fractured nature of how people are approaching information allows people to believe that they live in very different worlds than each other while also being uh, geographically or like socially in theory in the same world. Right. Um, so like... The outliers are living... In the world of in the society as a whole, there are many outliers who aren't part of that system. Well, so I've seen like I've seen a lot of different uh, people sort of responding to projections about what the scale in terms of time of of the delay or the pause that we're doing, what that might be, or like projections about like what it would be to try to partially uh, maintain a society under play conditions and, like, how long it might take to have a vaccine or, like, how long it takes before whoever gets infected and, like, what an acceptable or unacceptable, you know, set of circumstances are surrounding that. And so, like, there doesn't seem to be any consensus. Like, I, there's, there's the people who are like, we're going to – we're going to just – pretend everything's normal right now and then there's the people who are like this could be two years Ugh. and like those two those two don't coincide that's some heavy cognitive dissonance cognitive like there's people who are like we will never be able to have gatherings again and so like performers just better buy equipment like, I don't, you know what I mean? Well, it's what like, about I, things like soccer players, NFL, play, like anything that involves grandiose sport, which used to be a huge consumer 
you know, thing. The NFL was is tons of money, and that that's not going to happen. And all of these different large like, scale Hollywood hasn't started. Um, like every, it's I, yeah, I don't know. Like I think that the idea of like a back to normal is sort of like it's a it's a misnomer. It's like a false false phrase. Right. Um, like normal for who? <laughs> exactly. Nor- I, like like I've been saying throughout this whole thing, the tenderloin is exactly as normal as it always has been, but it's getting it's getting a lot scarier as the as the uh, the, the lines are breaking down, uh, or the lines are getting longer and people aren't doing their six feet. But if you have huge sores on your legs because you've been shooting heroin, I mean, who gives a shit about six feet, right? <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, so this is a thing. So I was reading. A, a I bun- don't know. I've never done heroin. No, I've, I've, I mean, I've done fentanyl patches, but never, I've never shot. I've never done anything with a needle and myself ever. My friend who liked heroin a lot is dead. What? My friend who liked heroin a lot is dead. Not, not Zach. Watson. Okay. God, thank God. I'm, I can't find him. I have no idea where he is and I'm very nervous. So I see other people. Oh, good. And I think about him. Oh, I think about him a lot, too. Every time I see someone with blonde hair, I wonder if it's him, and then I look, and it's not. Uh, this I, was... I always end up glad that it's not him because the people that I mistake for him do not look well. Yeah. Uh-huh. So this was a thing I read this week from Nietzsche, and I want to read it to you and see what your response to it is. Um, and I, when, I was, when I read it, I was like, God, he's a poet, and this should be if, – if I would have found this when I was in college, this would have been my monologue. I think it's great. Uh, it's it's called the the you heavy. You are taking a vow of silence because of Friedrich Nietzsche. <laughs> Far I'm out. T- I'm not taking a vow of silence. Uh, so this no, that's is from no. Miss Sunshine. Oh, gotcha. Uh, this is the heaviest burden. What if a demon crept after you one day or night in your loneliest solitude and said to you, "This life." As you live it right now and have lived it, you will have to live it again and again, times without number, and there will be nothing new in it. But every pain and every joy and every thought and every sigh and all the unspeakably small and great in your life must return to you. And everything in the same series and sequence, and in the same way this spider and this moonlight among the trees, and in the same way this moment and I myself, the eternal hourglass of existence will be turned again and again with you, you with it, you dust of dust. Would you not throw yourself down and gnash your teeth and curse the demon who spoke thus? Or have you experienced a tremendous moment in which you would have answered him, You are a god, and never did I hear of anything more divine. If you thought... If this thought gained power over you, it would, as you are now, transform and perhaps crush you. The question in all and everything, do you want this again and again, times without number, would lie as the heaviest burden upon all your actions? Or how well disposed toward yourself and toward life would you have to become to have no greater desire than for this ultimate eternal sanction and seal? If uh, if a demon came to you at your loneliest hour and said, "All right, Warhol, everything that's happened in these years up to now, you have to live again and again," would you be like, 
fuck yeah, let's do it. Or would you be like, no, I can't. This is a nightmare. That sounds like a question of free will, though. Hmm. Um, like, if you have a, an impulse towards free will, then there would there would be some sort of belief that there's an agentive property and that you could potentially make another decision in a similar situation. So you negate even his idea as a structure. You're like, fuck structure so much that that structure that he put in place, nah, I go for a third option. All right. Well, I believe in quantum. So, like, yeah, it sounds like a fundamental... Um, a fundamental sort of disagreement in terms of what infinity might potentially be. I mean, that sounds like some European shit to say, to be like, oh yeah, everything's going to be exactly the same if you try it again. Like, no, bitch. I don't fucking think so. <laughs> See, I, if, if I take it at, would I, be hap- would I be happy or would I be sad? I would feel, I would do it again. I'd be like, yeah, I don't really have any I only have two big regrets in my life, so yeah, I'll live it all again in the same order and series again and again in order to have the infinity of it. You know, I um, I built a a character persona that doesn't respond appropriately to to stimulus or information or doesn't like respond appropriately to violence and to like the reality of the violence in the world and um, just sort of like claiming the absurdity of not objecting to the impossible violence that we're surrounded by you know and like I think for like years you know for years basically like for like the last five years i've just buried all human emotion it's kind of odd to consider these questions i kind of feel like i'm looking at this artifact like this mask and trying to figure out it now that the so you're talking about dissociative properties where you're seeing yourself as separate from a mask that you've put on yourself so it's like well, there like, are two selves. Now that we aren't allowed to gather, I've set aside this, this yeah, this other self that I was building. But the mask self. Yeah, I mean it's called Warhol Kaufman. Oh, sure, sure. It's like it had a name and it had like properties, and it's just like really incredibly restrictive sort of set of circumstances, and it's very odd to like to be forced because like. I, I, I don't feel this way that other people, some people seem to think when it's like, oh, I got to get my reps in. Like, let me go get my Zoom reps in. Like, I was I was studying an art form. Right. I wasn't just, like, trying to, uh, to do something because it was fun. I was trying to study the art form of stand-up comedy and, like, how it works in a space, you know, and, like, sure. how how the – the use of language could impact people into a unified response, you know, mm-hmm. or could polarize a crowd and kind of center itself. And, like, um, I just, 
I have no real interest in it. Um, zero, um, zero stand-up art form. It's not an art form. Like, well, it, it we so don't. Like, it's a new. It's its own new animal. It, I, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't call it stand-up. Yeah, and so like now setting aside the persona for like like you said what for it was was 45 days for you in between like your your one performance and another like setting it aside for that long uh it's something i haven't done right in years many years and so like it's really interesting it's kind of this introspective like oh like do i exist like i usually don't honestly feel like i exist and i i like i kind of think that there's a real crossroads happening for me as well as just in general. Have, of that. have you ever heard of the poet Fernando P Pessoa? Uh, I'm not sure. He was a poet who he made basically what you did. He, he created what he called heteronyms. And so he created like over 50 different personas for himself. And this was at the turn of the century. This is like, like 1908 through like 1922 or something. But it was really funny because he created all of these characters that were himself, but they were completely different people. So one of them would write poetry and he was a shepherd who dealt with all these sheep. And one of them was just a critic. And he would There's critique. a rapper who did that in like the 90s too. Oh, that's so funny. Well, so Fernando Pessoa was the first guy. He came up with these heteronyms. And yet, so when he died, people found out that he was all these different people and they didn't know it because he had critics he had created characters who were critics who hated some of his poets and who loved oh, some nice. of his poets. And he would I bet have Doom actually does that too. Yeah, I definitely um You'd have I, them write I, letters between each other. So there's all of this correspondence from from personage to personage that were all him and yeah. they were all completely well constructed characters with lives and interesting back to, histories. To stage some of that stuff. Oh yeah, it's with all there's some a, of the I, letters. I have the whole book of of, of him. It's it's amazing. Cause uh, it, it breaks down into, and it only goes through like twelve of his personas, but there were like fifty of them, and so he had I've created a whole thought, world. Uh, first of all, I was reflecting today on I, I read about this painter, and I don't remember which like I I couldn't find the exact article I read before, but it was a painter who was schizophrenic, um, and he would paint his demons like he would get visited by hallucinatory images of these demons and he would just like paint the demons that he saw huh. and then he as he lost his mind his paintings got more and more disturbing and there's one that they said was like cursed or something and um and i was trying like i thought it was van gogh but then like someone was telling me things about van gogh where i'm like maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong i don't remember and then the, the other thing i was thinking is like about there's a few performers who have died on stage and, like, you know, if you're a comedian and you die on stage, like, people laugh, you know? <laughs> and, like, there's even footage. Because they think it's part of the joke. <laughs> there's footage of, like, this guy who died on TV who, like, you, you, you could see. It was, the footage was in this, uh, this documentary about the, the amazing Jonathan, who's, you know, the magi magician and comedian. Uh, but they showed the footage of the guy. He's, he's, he's on stage, the full show. On TV, he falls down. Maybe it's not TV. Maybe it's just a tape show. He falls down, and the crowd is laughing and laughing and laughing, and he convulses on the floor, and they laugh and laugh. And that guy died on stage. Wow. He, he died doing the things. Wow. You know? 
that's intense. And no one would know to help him because they probably thought it was part of the gag. Yeah, by the time anyone figured it out, he was already dead. Oh, oh my. So is that the dream or is that the, I mean, wow. Well, there's another story. Zach Galifianakis uh, tells a story, and this is about himself. He's like, uh, Zach was talking to, I believe, Jerry Seinfeld on Comedians and Cars, and he, he said um, his sister died. And so he went to the funeral, and he was upset, you know, and they asked him to speak. And, like, he really – I didn't even really want to speak because he was too upset, but, like, they – really wasn't an option like everyone just needed to hear him speak about his sister and so he gets up and he's trying to hold back tears and the crowd is just laughing (gasps) laughing and laughing and laughing because he's Zach Galifianakis and he created this this comedic character that's so powerful that doesn't matter what he does like he might have said that on Conan's podcast maybe it wasn't Seinfeld's thing maybe it was Conan but either way yeah when you, yeah, once you have the persona, it doesn't matter what you say, people will. I mean, Pancake is kind of like that. When we listen to Pancake read, it's always like, no matter what the line is, no matter if he says it exactly the way it was supposed to be or doesn't, it's always amazing. Uh, let me. Did I lose you? Yo. Hello? Is Pam not here now? No, I, I didn't hang up. Should I hang oh, up? Oh, cool. No, so uh, I just added a call. So now it's me, you, and Josh Khan. Oh, cool. Oh, great. Hi, Josh. Who's on, Rachel? Who's this? It's Pam. You're on, We're mute- on the radio. Hey, You're Pam. on Mutiny Radio. Yeah, oh, I just hello, not consensually everyone. placed you on the radio because you called and well, I didn't know what else to this is non-consensual broadcast. This is non-consensual <laughs> well, broadcasting. Nihilism, so we don't give a fuck what you think. Yeah, it's it. We're, yeah, we're doing a podcast about nihilism and existentialism and Nietzsche. Yeah. So, so does it matter? Does it matter? Does it matter? Yeah. Unclear. Everyone scream into the void. Is anyone listening? I'm gonna, I'm, Who knows? I'm going to go ahead and say that no, it doesn't matter. And yes. Right. Well, I are you outside nihilist. the apartment? <laughs> I am outside the apartment. I'm downstairs, and I don't want to leave all my gear in the car. Okay. Shelter in place or no. It's just a lot of expensive gear. Okay. To leave in a car. Are you guys going to play some music together? Yeah, we're we're going to make some music. Oh, that's great. We're going to make some hip hop loops and stuff. Um, And I have a great sampler that has a lot of great live instrument samples on it. We're going to see what we get. I think is that we don't have absolute confirmation that now is the right moment to go as opposed to like in like an hour or something like that. That's um, all good. I can come I can come out right now and You can bring the phone. Uh, um you know I I am yeah. a I am a rapper. I'm not a blunt rapper, but I, I am a rapper as well. My rapper name is Hot Dirty P. That's Hot pretty Dirty funny. P in the house. Hot Dirty P is my rap name. And uh yeah. <laughs> I've I've done it. I've done a couple. Uh, uh, me and the the sheriff of truth and I, uh, hot dirty P and the sheriff. We've we've done a we've done a couple rap songs together. I've heard some of it actually. <laughs> hot dirty P's forthcoming new album. So. Yeah, it's all it's all hot political takes. I would just take um, stupid quotes from people in politics that just like Breitbart stuff or stuff that 
Trump has said. My first one was Susan Olson or Cindy Brady because she did some terrible stuff years ago. And I just read quotes from them and turn them into raps over like stuff, and it, they turn out to be very funny. So yeah, some Poetry, of them some really. of them sound pretty dope, actually. Thank you. Well, it's it's uh it's like fun some of it is just sense. very silly, but I I heard one that I was like, this is interesting. What is this? <laughs> hot dirty pee in the sheriff, baby. But uh, we should get some hot dirty pee on wax. Yeah, too. I like Real I like too. to sing. I tell you what, I like to oh, man. write the lyrics. All right, I just like uh, fucked up my shoulder super bad sleeping, so I'm like 56 years old basically. So that's good. <laughs> Oh, sleeping. I thought you were going to say some some sort of contact sport or something, but yeah. Nope. No contact nope. sports. Oh my no gosh, contact. I miss I miss contact. <laughs> yeah, we Who am I allowed to hug? Is there do I have a because I miss human contact. Do I have a list? Like people have to start making their lists of people they're allowed to touch and <laughs> they're allowed. I'm like I need a hug. Who am I allowed to hug? Who's on my list? Have I the real question is, have I touched Kevin Bacon through six degrees of separation? Okay, now there is an important question. No, also, I don't think I have. Kevin Bacon. Clutch in, that, in that whole concept. Like, Kevin Bacon Kevin... thought, he thought they were making fun of him. Like, he thought that game was an insult to him for, like, 20 years. No. Yeah, he, he would. He was like, oh, I get it. They're making fun of me. And people are like, no, he we would. just, we really really pay attention to your career a lot. Like, it's just a fun game. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down, well, Kevin. He, Jesus he works Christ. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but you work a Kevin lot. Bacon, He's been working since the 80s. Kevin like, Bacon what do you want? Test positive. If Kevin Bacon tests positive now. for coronavirus. Oh, did he really? Quicksilver. Quicksilver was a great movie. I love yep. Quicksilver. It was set in San Francisco. <laughs> yep, had Jamie Gertz, Well, I'm going to go rewatch Tremors now. Oh, yeah. Kevin Bacon. Now, it's a, I mean... Yeah, actually, he gets to live forever as long as that, even when he dies, as long as that game still exists, everyone still knows Kevin Bacon. So he gets to live longer than everybody. I mean, I hope that in 100 years, there's people are still playing Six Degrees to Kevin Bacon. I guess the last person who meets him before he dies as a baby will be the last mm-hmm. person to perpetuate that game like 100 years down the road. That would be, yeah, I'm... That's the one thing that I worry about with, I mean, going back to existentialism and nihilism and the whatnot, is that I don't believe in an afterlife and a God or that there's anything after this or that anything we do here somehow equates magically in some other world to some other life. I think, you know, this is it. And so I get concerned about leaving a mark because once I'm gone, that's it, unless people remember me in some way. And if the internet crashes, all of these podcasts are gone, so I won't be remembered that way. And, like, you know, only 500 you copies. You carve the podcast on rocks. Carve them on rocks, yes. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I have two books that are out there, but only 500 copies were created of each, so that's only 1,000. So there's not – there aren't a lot of things that tether my consciousness to this. But I could be reading your book in a Mad Max – you know, apocalyptic, dystopian future. Maybe. I, that would be as, great. As I wouldn't have access to your podcast, maybe. I don't think we'll have access to those. To but but the, but the concept goes back for me to Plato and the, the concept of thought that if you think something, it's real. So if someone is dead, but you think about them, therefore thought is real, therefore they're real, and they're still alive. Oh, yeah, I read that in the book of George Lucas. Is that yeah? There we go. 
transcendentalism, that kind of weird shit. But I, I do think that thought, I do think that thought is real and has meaning. And therefore, I'm trying to create lasting thought so that Speaking of which, I how cold exist. is it outside? What happened? It is a nice day right now. Okay. Oh, yeah, the sun just but came out. Up. But it's clouding up again, maybe. It is SF. Every day is a beautiful day, or no days are beautiful days. <laughs> All or nothing. I, think, I don't. I don't. Pam. I don't believe in heaven or hell either. Really, I think that heaven and hell is just a. Um, it's just an explanation for like the process that the mind goes through right before death. Like how mm. people say their life flashes before their eyes. People who've had near death experiences experience that too, and it's just like people came back from uh, you know almost drowning or something, and they're like, oh, there's totally a heaven or a hell. I feel the same way every time I do nitrous because you get to that spot. Like... Uh, I, I feel that I should slightly interject. Pancake said, go back to talking about me. It, it, what is he texting you? No, Pancake said, like he messaged me just now and he said, go, like he's listening. Oh. He wants us to talk about him more. Pancake is one of the greatest living American comedians. I, I honestly believe that too. I I can't say enough fantastic things about Pancake. I had Pancake I, I totally the other agree. day. And Rachel also agrees that he's like absolutely one of our favorite living comedians. Like he's if like if he's not declared a national treasure in the next thirty to forty I minutes, swear to God, I I'm gonna I'm just gonna lose my fucking if shit. If we don't put him on the money, I'm gonna lose my shit, dude. If we don't, we don't appreciate stamp, I will assassinate a minor president. <laughs> <laughs> just the president of a banking corporation. You're just going to find a go. random president. Yeah, do the world some good. As long as you're going to prison, do the world some good. Uh, we're all on a watch list now. Put the man on the oh, but that's the thing. If if the FBI or the CIA government, I hope you're listening to Mutiny Radio. Tell us, tell us yeah. what <laughs> terrible people we are. Well, it's and, an algorithm, right? They don't have to like actively listen. Well, here's the problem: is that Facebook's algorithms can't they, right they can't identify humor. They can't identify the difference between humor and hate speech. Yeah, there's so, no algorithm for sarcasm. There's no algorithm well, no, for sarcasm. I, I honestly think that being, and this is going to start feeding back into something, I honestly think that being a comedian is like a great license to, like, obviously I'm joking all the time when I say that I want to, you know, get back with uh, Emily Dickinson and live in her attic with her or whatever. Oh, poor Emily. Just jokes. Just jokes. She I'm was, not trying to social distance from you. I'm just like the flat back in the delay. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna have to stop this. But I, I gave you 35 minutes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you gave me 35 minutes of existentialism and, and nihilism and breaking down the system. That was great. And didn't answer and my question about the heaviest burden, great. which was the thing I wanted the most. And you're like, you know what? Fuck your question. We're gonna do this. <laughs> well, enjoy making music together. Yeah, we gotta um, get I'm, hot dirty pee down on. on I would, I would love there. to. I'm jealous that you're, um, that you're together and that you can it's, hug each yeah. other. We, 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 we value the social contact that we can still yeah. have. Hooray! Uh, my girl does. 
Okay. Well, thank you both for. We love you. Oh, thank you. Thank you both for calling in. This is uh, has been Warhol Kaufman and Joel Kahn on uh, some call me Tim. I lost my brain there for a second. Fell out of my head. Josh Kahn, not Joel. My brain fell out my head. Uh, They hung up. You're listening to some Call Me Tim. At 3 o'clock, I'm going to set up a Zoom, and I'm going to Zoom a Zoom Zoom with Elizabeth Stanton. In fact, I might do that early since Warhol and Josh are going to make music together, beautiful music together. I should try to find some hot, dirty pee in the sheriff. (laughs) They're funny. I can rap. Uh, all right. Again, this is some call me Tim. I'm gonna play a little bit more of this Smashing Pumpkins mix because I like it. And then I'm gonna work out getting Elizabeth Stanton on the line. Thanks for being tuned in to some call me Tim, where we usually talk about God and stuff. Billy Corgan is not one of my gods.
shut my mouth and strike the demons Cursed you and your reasons Out of hand and out of season Out of love and out of feeling so bad Where I can live I Took my shelter in that pain. 
All right, that was Soma. Smashing pumpkins. I'm all by myself, as I've always been. <laughs> it sounds like the new Corona, uh, it sounds like the new Corona mantra. I'm all by myself, as I've always been. That is Smashing Pumpkins. I And at the end, I love the meow stuff. I am joined right now by Lizzie Stanton. Yay! Hey, let me bring all the volumes up. Hi! My my paramour, my 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 fiance, Elizabeth Stanton in British Columbia. Yes. We're gonna bring her back. I was told that <laughs> by having podcasts where I announce my love for you, that it doesn't it means that they're gonna scrutinize us even harder. I I've heard I've heard that. But they can't stop the love. They can't stop the love. Uh, again, listening audience, I'm joined by Elizabeth Stanton out of British Columbia, Vancouver. I loved your rant yesterday walking around like the weird, uh, what the shipping docks, the parking, the parking lot. lot of the sh shipping docks. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. It was, it was a really I funny. Mean, look, that's, that's become my life, right? It's, it's like you said, existentialism, nihilism, you know what? It doesn't matter. Howl at the moon, howl at the port. Yeah, you did the bonfire. I, I loved the, I, it was funny because I, I started watching it and I'm like, oh, it's just Lizzie walking around being herself. But then you seamlessly worked in your jokes and it was funny because it, they were so fresh and new because they were colloquial. They were like conversational the way you were doing them. And I'm you listening to it. Thing. Well, I laughed. I don't... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I, was, I laughed really hard. And then I was like, oh, wait, that's one of her jokes. And then I stopped it and I was like, ha ha, this is great. It's a really, you're, it's a really interesting opportunity for you to tell your jokes in a different fashion. You know, it's interesting for me because I don't even know that I'm doing it. Um, it this is the funny thing. So you hung out with me in real life and I don't know if you noticed this, but Sam and Nathan and Jack Ferguson, every, every comic that I've ever met that's had a conversation with me, they're like, Sam said this. He's like, Lizzie, you're really, really autistic. You keep throwing jokes at me. Oh, because you use, hey, I use, I use material in real life all the time. Like, that's how, you know, you formulate jokes is that you say them kind of over and over. And then that the wording sort of fits itself eventually. Or, I don't know, I'm constantly, even before I did comedy, like, when I was just a regular person and I was going to go out to a bar or something, I would practice in the mirror like witty quips and little stories and stuff so that when I'm speaking to a person in a social context, I seem all witty and fun. But it's really, I was just running material. But it was before I did stand-up comedy, so it was like life material as opposed to now. But all the time, not all the time anymore because I haven't been to a bar in a long time, but I would often go to bars. I'd make choices like, do I want to go do an open mic right now and be in front of comics and do jokes in front of them? Or is it better to try out new material in front of actual people and seem like this really witty, fun person at the bar? So I sometimes choose I, to do it that way. No, I know exactly what you mean because this is, I think this is funny. I think this is the difference between people think this is autism. It's not autism. I think this is the difference between an intelligent slash mildly calculated person and someone that just has no fucking personality. An interesting person does what we do where you, 
this is the thing. You see this in movies. People hype themselves up before they go for an interview. They practice what they're going to say. Sure. If you're a comic or an entertainer or you just want to seem mildly interesting, you naturally practice kind of mantras, sayings. For me, it's jokes. Right. I don't practice it. I don't do it off stage. I talk and I end up saying things that I know are interesting, which is better to you that I already had a talking point that happened to be formed into a joke because I talked about this a lot of times. Or that I say something that's boring and I just happen to say at the moment. Right. I, I'm i calculated as well. And some might call it manipulative. But <laughs> I, I definitely try to put my best foot forward in any conversation. I've been in conversations with people where I'm I'm like, get to the point. Jeez, do you, do you, did you think before you spoke? But that's not necessarily fair because I'm usually thinking like four hours ago before I speak. So... It's definitely not autism. Autism is when you have trouble with social cues and you're not picking them up. A lot of times people with autism will use scripts to help them because they don't understand social interactions, but you're not even you're not even close to being on the spectrum. I wouldn't Thank you. Yeah. That's what I said. I mean, I had that joke about the I'm proud of myself as a comedian. I'm I'm very um sorry. It's all good. Um, I'm very proud of myself as a comedian. You know, I am I'm very artistic. I'm sorry. I mean, autistic. But I'm like, that's the thing is, I, I wrote that because the guys kept, like, harassing me. They're like, oh, Lizzie, you're, you're autistic. I'm like, no, I've talked to people that, like, that work with children that have autism. I don't not understand social cues. Mm. I'm just mildly awkward in the same sense that everyone is, where if you're in a situation that's new, you don't exactly know how to handle it. So what's the first thing you go to? You go to a structured statement or something that's interesting, a yeah. talking point. Right. That's, I mean, Toastmasters. <laughs> I, had, I had a buddy who used to do that because some people are afraid of speaking in front of other people or in large group contexts. This is not a fear of mine. I don't mind that at all. Um, no, that's, that's exactly the thing. Is I mean, I think it's interesting that people will criticize someone that has jokes, for example, or anything to talk about, and they're like, oh, you, just, you seem calculated. It's not, it's not calculated naturally humans will go to the most interesting thing that they have to talk about. That's why they say old people continuously go to the same old stories. Sure. Sure. They go to their comfortable talking points. Right. Well, and okay. So this is interesting about people with dementia. Uh, Once stories are like a loop, like songs are like a loop. And sometimes when we hear stories, we go, oh, I already heard that story before. But we're willing to listen to the same songs over and over and over. But it's because it's a loop that we remember. So people with dementia, if you play them music, they'll have memories that were attached to that loop. But it's the same thing with a story is that you have to keep telling those stories and listening to that music over and over to give yourself those touch points for if you someday get dementia, because those are the only things you remember. Like, are those things that exactly. looped and looped and looped and looped? And then that those are the things that stay. What was that? What was the name of that movie? It had Robert De Niro, and it was about these people. I think it's called The Awakening. And it's about these people that have this weird disease where they just like get dementia and they fall into a fog and they can't remember anything. And then he starts like having them walk on patterns on the floor and then he gives them a certain drug and it works for a very short time and it brings back all their memories and social functions. Then they go back to being in the fog again. Oof. I 
think I remember that. That brain game, that like those games like Lumosity and everything. Humans naturally work by continuing things in a pattern. That's just that's how people right, work. ritual. That's and that's how people get out of depression. I watched this long um, video by this guy because I went into this nihilistic thing, and he's saying a lot of nihilists are depressed. If you're dealing with depression, routines will get you out of depression, and and especially around these. COVID times when people don't have anything to do, you have to create routines for yourself. Otherwise, you go wackadoo because it's if, if you lose a sense of structure and life starts to embody chaos and you have depression and you feel like you don't have any control over the chaos, you have to create small rituals for a sense of control to abate the chaos. So everybody make a ritual for yourself, like wake up at the same time, do something, write for 20 minutes, go on a walk, but do create a routine around these times of chaos to give yourself some structure to cling to so that you don't, you know, get all crazy. You, what are your, what are your rituals? You, I mean, I see you walking around doing your, your, uh, well, Insta. Know, so that's, that's it. the interesting thing for me is that I have a problem. I overeat. So I do that, and I know it's because I don't have as much of a ritual as I – when I, I got really skinny for a while, it's because I was starving myself because I was being like, I'll eat three grapes at this time and then nothing else. <laughs> and I was like – but that was all I could think about. Now, I have a very one-track mind. Right. So for me, my obsession is comedy. I am always on social media. I'm always editing pictures and memes, putting up little videos and stuff. That's what my – this is the funny thing. Ever since I got into comedy – this is what I do. I'm like, without calling into Mutiny Radio, I'd go fucking mental. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! We're essential. Well, but there's so there's a routine there. Is Zooming with us, doing your comedy, keeping that up, reaching out to people. You've got a lot. I mean, there's a bunch of people watch your stuff and comment on it, so that's rad. On your 50... I, I, mean, don't, I don't think that a lot of people... This is the frustrating thing for me, is that this is... Okay, nihilism. You said... People you say are falling apart and getting depressed because of it. I've said this in those walk-arounds in the parking lot. This is why I like doing them because it's a way for me to be conversational even though I'm just talking to myself and I have So I'm looping spots where my mind is going, oh, what can I talk about? What's, what's interesting? But, I mean, I, I talked about that. Nihilism for me is a reason to be – I feel like it's actually a reason to have faith in a, in a way. It sounds crazy, right? No, no, no. It's it's called – it's a it's a, it's a school of thought called optimistic nihilism. There is. There's a school of thought, optimistic That's, nihilism. So you're an optimistic nihilist. I consider myself that as well, but go on. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I, you know, it's the opiate of the masses, religion, having any thought base, like I'm part of this. No, I'm part of a comedy community. That being said, I can chop and change. I can go to different communities. The jokes stay with me. I know who I am because I take a little piece of whatever I've heard from the other people that were like, hey, that was really good. And I'm like, yeah, keep that with me. Right. But I don't, I don't have any faith in God or that there's any afterlife in it or any of that. I don't believe that there was nothing before I was born. There's nothing after, you know, my dad died. I have the memories of him before he died, you know? Right. And so that's, that's why I keep going. I, I feel like that's, that's something to have faith in. There's look, if I'm going to die, I'd rather say I created as much interesting content, said as many interesting things as possible than be like, Oh, wow. I, I didn't matter anyway. Nobody cared. No, it does matter because I stopped someone else from killing themselves because they heard something interesting that I said. 
There you go. Well, and it's, I think, nihilism, too, has to do with the negation of what you said of God and heaven and all that stuff, but that we create our own meaning. We don't need an we don't need an external meaning to give our lives validation. It's what we do and create within ourselves and what we do with our time. Because no one gives a shit about our time. We I, Right now in COVID times, we could all just sit in our houses and drink beer constantly. I could just sit and drink wine all day long and not do anything. I could just watch Netflix and play with my cats and lay around, do a bunch of acid and not get anything accomplished. and Or... You know, I can do stuff and it doesn't, no one's outside of me saying like, if you do this, this will happen or you should do this because of this or you should store up treasures in heaven and this on earth, blah, 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 blah. But it's that of my own volition. I know it doesn't matter, but I choose to do these things because I choose them. So I I feel like I'm an optimistic nihilist too, where it it doesn't matter. matter. But I guess it does matter. It matters to me. And if it matters to me, then it matters. But I'm the only one it matters to. And I can't look for this enormous external validation to say, hey, what you're creating and what you're doing has value. The only person that can ascribe value to anything I'm doing is me. Uh, Big lessons this week. I have to add to say something so tacky. You know, I, I, I feel like, you know, life is so unfair. They say that nobody else's opinion matters and that you should just do what you want. And thanks to that, now I have a rape allegation. <laughs> well, I keep I keep um, consulting tarot cards, and it keeps saying, you have a huge decision to make. You can either really force – it's crazy. It's saying, hey, you've got a decision to make, and you're the only one that can make it. You've got to make this decision, and you can either – push this issue hard or you cannot but you've got to make a choice you can't just lay in limbo and I've been waiting I've been like waiting for external forces to push me in a direction and suddenly myself is telling me there are no external forces you're the force so you are either either make a choice and move in this direction or don't so, you know, the power's up to me. But then I keep getting these cards that are like, don't abuse your power. And I'm like, dang it. Urgh. And then it forces me to recognize the power that I have that I've been negating. And I've been like, I don't have any power. I don't have any influence. But it's like, well, you kind of do. And so I have to take responsibility for that, too, and how I use I use my power and position to try to manipulate others. And when they don't, when they aren't manipulated in the way I'm trying to manipulate them, I get very like, but then I need to step back and say, the only person I should be manipulating is myself. I really, yep. when I try to manipulate people, it, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't usually work out in my favor. So learning lessons, yay, at 45. This is, I said this. I said this at the end of um of, the, of that of the live that I did. If you heard it, I, I said like you know what the only person I have to be doing this for is me. I'm doing these jokes and I'm keeping doing this for me. That being said, it's like Eminem said, if I can help one kid out of a hundred million, if I can, if anything I says has any impact on anyone else, I know that little things, things that you said, you said that I'm a great comedian. You know what? That'll stick with me. Yay! That'll stick with me. Well, you're, you work hard. I mean, it's the, I think that people, I mean, you're, you're just a generally funny person who has good things to say, but it's also your, your dedication and your discipline to it, which 
it, it can only make you get better. Like the more, and especially when you're doing your material, like I said in your thing, different contexts, when you're making it conversational, that's going to translate to stage because isn't that what we're doing? We're trying to have a conversation with the audience. They just don't answer back. They do answer. They answer with laughter or with clapping or with, or with whatever sounds they make. But you're practicing that still in a meaningful way by doing the filming. And I haven't, like, I know everyone's trying in these times to figure out how, they're, how they can express themselves. Because there are those of us that, for whatever fucked up reason, feel like we need to express ourselves. Like, like my life has no meaning unless I'm expressing myself. Which is maybe something I should look at also. Like, why do I constantly feel the need to emote to other people. Is there some deficiency in myself that I feel like I want to be on stage and communicate with people? Like, oh, no, large Kat, ideas? that's totally natural. That's natural. Humans naturally seek out validation from others. And look, this is the thing for me. Nobody looks at my TikTok. I can tell because my videos have, like, no views. And it pisses me off because I know that my content is fucking better than stuff that's going banana viral. Like, yeah, but TikTok is for 12-year-olds. It. It's for 12. Isn't tic, TikTok is for children, isn't it? No, it's not. This is a stupid thing. The TikTok has everyone on it from from, from 10-year-olds to, to, to 90-year-olds that people put in because they're looking for, like, you know. It's mostly really hot people. Mostly really fucking hot people. I said this. I'm not TikTok hot. I'm not even Instagram hot. I'm, like, old-time Facebook hot. Yeah. <laughs> Still pictures. Yeah. That's how I... Like to know where the camera is, take a still picture. I just don't. Exactly. At at, at uh, Thanksgiving, my my niece, my nieces tried to explain TikTok to me, and they said, "So you do the dumbest thing you can possibly think of, and then you get famous." And I was like, <laughs> "That's what they explained it to me as. You just do something super dumb, and then people go, wow. And I just and another. I have a. Aaron Atkins, he's a comedian, 19-year-old comedian out of Chicago. He loves TikTok, and he gets it. And he's like, he's like, I'm sorry, Pam, maybe you're just too old to get it. And I think I am. I think that I, Facebook is my, I mean, I was on MySpace, for God's sake. And I was late to get to that. So I was late to get to Facebook. I didn't even get to Facebook till like 2008, 2007, 2008. So I, I don't understand Instagram. TikTok's a mystery to me. I'm just like, I don't. I don't understand video editing skills. I don't have. Right, I don't have those. Either. <laughs> I don't have any. I don't have any video skills. It's just not anything I ever put time or effort into because I don't like the way I look on video. So it was one of those things. Even as when I was younger, getting into, I'm just too old to pick up new things. I, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You know, it's like I understand well, it's Facebook. Not, it's not actually true. It's not that you're too old. It's like me, and I've seen. I saw a woman who was incredibly hot once again. This TikTok is nothing but. It's a, it's a streaming thought consciousness. Mm. And uh, I saw this really gorgeous woman who was probably my age uh, going like, oh, so all the millennials before um, before quarantine, TikTok's for teenagers. And then afterwards, she's like posing in front of the camera and doing all the moves. And it's like, that's, that's what's happened to all of us because we're just so desperate for attention that now it's like, somebody look at me, look at me. It's, it's, uh, it's a hilarious concept. Because, so Joey Avery had a joke that he doesn't do anymore, which is a bummer. And I wish I could steal his joke, but here's his idea. That before Facebook, 
in real life, let's say in the 90s, let's say in 1995 when I was just about to graduate college, let's say that I took a ton of pictures of things and myself, Polaroids, and I put them up on my wall and I invited friends over and I said, hey, come to my house and look at this wall of pictures and I want you to touch the ones that you like. People would think, you're an insane person. You want what? You want people to come over and, and touch the pictures, the items that you've collected. You want them to touch them and like them. That is the weirdest thing. But then 15 years after that, we have Facebook where we're like, why didn't you, didn't you like the picture of my cat? I have the picture of me. I was the, the duck lips and I did the thing and you don't, 50, only, only 12 people liked this picture. Oh no, my self-esteem is in the shitter. And it's an insane concept because what do we, what kind of attention do we need from our daily lives? Like pictures of our food, like of lunch or whatever. And you want people to be like, that looks I like a good club that. sandwich. Food pictures. It's just people trying to connect their lives to other people and get validation in some way. It's just, it's, it's weird. Like what, what do we not have within ourselves to validate ourselves or to find our own output worthwhile. Like, why are we seeking value outside ourselves? Every entertainer, especially, we all lack that natural self instinct. This is the thing that I've learned from doing comedy and traveling, and I'm so thankful for it. And why I bring my phone around me is that it's the constant person that I have with me, if that makes sense. I've got, it's like you're find a friend. It's like I'm walking around with my audience. Yeah. And, and it seems stupid, but I'm going around and I'm all alone. And the only constant that I have is the jokes that are within me, the things that people have said to me, because if I didn't have the pictures, if I didn't have the videos, if I didn't have that memory of the thing, did it even happen? Right, right, right. Oh no. I can't even trust my own memories anymore because every time, every time you revisit a memory, you change it because you're different. So I don't even I don't even trust my own memories anymore. But when I look back at pictures or when I listen back to podcasts, I get like a real live picture and concept of what really happened. Because I remember things. I remember things differently. <laughs> I have so I have selective memory. I only remember and hear the things I want to hear and remember the things that I want to hear. For example, I love you, Pam, like a friend. I never hear like a friend. <laughs> I only only hear I love you. I'm like, okay, great. That's great. So selective, selective. Memory. I love you, Pam. Oh, I love you too, Elizabeth. <laughs> We're going to get married someday. There's a lot of people thought that it was, a lot of people did not think it was a joke. They were like, congratulations. I didn't know that you, I didn't know you were, you're bi. I didn't know. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could be bi. Yeah, sure. I get down. Hold on. What is, what is love? What is marriage? The entire right. thing is, I, am I going to definitely visit you and hang out with you? Do I want you in my life? Yes, definitely. So what's the difference between that and the whole, the, the whole thing is stupid. Well, Everything is stupid. It's a, it's a, it's a contract. It's a financial contract. I have a joke about it. I, I, from my first marriage, all I got was my first STD, sexually transmitted debt. That's all you get. You get, it's a con the only reason to get married is for tax breaks or if you're going to buy a house together if you're going to buy a house you you really you should get married because it's just financially it makes sense it's it's kind of stupid to not get married and have enormous 
life money things together. It just doesn't make sense. See, now, I don't want a financial obligation to anyone. That's the thing is, I mean, it's great if I'm with a guy who has money. That, that'd be lovely. Yeah. Take care of me. I'm very low. This is the thing. Guys always think, I always think that's so funny. I'm like, I'm perfect investment. I have such low levels of obligation. Go down on me and buy me food and drinks. That's all. That's all I want. Yeah. Lo- yeah. Some say raise the bar. Some say lower the bar. I say meet at the bar. You don't have a lot of, you don't have a lot of your bars pretty low. That's, that's your, I'm low maintenance. I'm low maintenance as well. Although I'm a low maintenance woman. I always make a joke like I'm like 97% perfect. There's 3% of me that is there is an ugly ugly side to me. And a lot of most people don't say you got to see you got to hear it on that one podcast where I was losing my fucking mind and being super super negative. But there's like 97% of the time I'm in a great mood, I'm super happy, I'm productive and I'm giving and I'm empathetic and I'm like Oh, flowers and joy and wonderment, butterflies and soap bubbles and life is amazing. (laughs) And then there's this 3% of me that's like has anger issues and has like self-esteem deep embedded, terrible. And just, I just feel, I I get crazy. Like, so there's 3% of me that can be very, very ugly and people rarely see that. But. Everyone has that though. Everyone does. I, I mean, I don't. I don't think I have that much of that, but I mean, I'm cheap. I know that. And I know that I have like a lot of like hangups. So that's, that's my issue. I mean, the thing is, nobody's perfect. The thing is, the best you can do is try and be rational. I think. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like that's, that's my goal. I I hate the idea of being an irrational or emotional woman. That's what always has bothered me. Oh, I'm so that's one of my 3% problems is that I'm hyper dramatic. I'm super dramatic. Like yesterday there was this issue that happened at the station. This guy locked himself in the bathroom. I think he was doing heroin. Anyways, I had the, the neighbor Wilson helped get him out, which was amazing. But the guy left the water. He figured out the crackhead fucking figured out a way. He was taking a shower in there basically. And the cold water never works. I know it's, I just, I told him not to come in, but he came in anyway, and he was getting confrontational. I was alone. It was difficult. The neighbor helped me out, which was great. But this guy left the water on. The crackhead figured out a way to turn on the cold water, which is impossible. We only have hot water in there. So the, the cold water is just running, 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 running. And I was like, ah. So I'm looking for tools, and the tool that I needed wasn't here because I let somebody borrow it. So I'm online, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I'm. I was being very dramatic and I started crying and then I figured out a solution. So for me, like sometimes through drama, I create solution and it would be fantastic for me to find a way where I don't have to go through the drama to find the solution. But I haven't learned that yet. Like for example, when I freaked out on that podcast the next day, Someone gave me like $3,000. So I have to have these, and I don't want to say I have to have. When I have these breakdowns and these dramatic effusions, things happen. So ideally, 
I would like to have figured out how to turn off the water with the, I used duct tape and um, paper towels and a wrench that was the, too big and I, I made it work, basically. But it took- Better than I could do. Yeah, I, well I had to, I couldn't let, the, I can't let the water run forever. I was like, what am I gonna do? And I didn't have the right tools, so I was like, I have to work with what, because I figured he turned it on. There's gotta be a way to turn it off. So anyways, I, fi- I, I cried and then I figured it out. And I was so proud of myself because like, I was alone and I, I worked through this issue. I worked through this like, you know, problem. But it, my goal next time is to be able to get through whatever obstacle comes in my path without crying. Like, do I have to, do I have to get super emotional to get shit done? It's normal. It's so normal. It's totally, it's totally normal though. That's the thing is I know for me, like, it doesn't benefit me. And that's, that's the struggle that I've had. I said this, you heard my thought, I, my, my jokes on this. As a female, I feel very validated by the fact that guys used to, you know, show interest. And now it's like, I can't get any. And it's, it's so fucking sad for me. I'm just like, I'm going crazy. I just, there's no, cause there's no men outside. There's no one to pay attention to you. There's no one outside. <laughs> not even that. Nobody will invite me out. Nobody, nobody has a car. This is the mm. thing. I, all I want is a guy who's like, I don't have COVID. I've been in quarantine. Would you like me to pick you up and give you a drink? And then, you know, that. That's all right. I'm looking for. Sure. That's yeah. all I want. Yeah. Fair. That's, that's not a like, crazy I request. Can't, I can't get that. And I'm like, I'm getting emotional. I, I fully admit this. I'm turning into an incel. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I've been, I've. I'd like, I would like to have sex at some point as well. That would be nice. Um, (laughs) it's, it's, I'm, I was telling my buddy Latoya on the last podcast, I've actually been getting, I won't walk around at night anymore. We might be indoors until June and I live in a pretty desperate neighborhood already, but I'm getting a little bit worried about some rapey shit going on because these guys oh, you heard my joke on that. Well, the guys that have been you're like, come on over, guys. But in my neighborhood, I definitely don't want to uh, anyways. Um it's 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 sketchy neighborhood. But I've been worried about men who aren't having sex during this time getting all like rah, 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 and then and yep. then having some having some issues in that realm that I don't want to have to deal with. It's been because people are kind of scary on the street and I don't trust men. I understand exactly. I've, I've, I said this, I have a video, it's on my Insta, it's in my, my highlights, but I was walking to Mutiny, um, I was walking through the mission, through that area, and I remember I had so many guys catcall me, you might remember the day, I was wearing like a, like a black, like, kind of like lingerie onesie, and mm. I had like, um, multicolored, uh, floral tights on, and I, I walked there, and I just remember I had like 30 guys catcall me, and I just said, Girls, if you ever feel bad about yourself, just walk through the Mission District scantily clad and you will never feel ugly again. Well, I, I feel that way about the Tenderloin uh, right now because people are still on the street in my neighborhood. The Mission's a little more dead right now, but people are still out because there are a lot of questionably housed in the Tenderloin. And I've been getting the craziest cat calls. Um, yesterday, a guy yelled at me, don't you be walking like you got someplace to live. Don't you be walking like you've got someplace to live. I was like, yeah, 
All right. I do have some place to live, but thank you. I was walking pretty fast. Another gentleman said, um, you look like you know something. And I was like, ooh, that is my favorite cat call. You got me. You think I'm smart? How did you do that? It's all I've ever wanted to be known as is smart. Oh, take me back to your box and lose me forever. Uh, but it's, I've been getting, I, I don't mind getting catcalled. And at this, I, you know, I kind of like the attention. And that's terrible. I'm putting feminism back years and years and years. But right now I'm like, oh, do I look good? Someone's telling me I look good from far away. I don't mind that so much. Uh, makes- hey, Pam, you'll, you'll, you'll like this. Um, someone said, don't you want to be a star? I said, I already am a star. I look great from really far away, and I'm going to burn out. <laughs> That's very funny. I like to call myself a Monet. Monet, Monet, I look good from far away. When you come up to me like a painting, you're like, ooh, that's, those, are, those are just dots and slashes. What, what was Oh, that's so pretty. Oh, oh that's, I'm a Monet. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know. I'm, I am from, from 50 feet. I am of indeterminate age. <laughs> it's like, how old is she? Is she 14? Oh no, she's 41. Actually I'm 45, but it would be better if I was 41. If I could turn back time, share. Uh, do you remember that song by Cher? Hey, look, Instagram filters. This is why every woman filters like me. I know full well. I don't look that good. You look great. You're on a Zoom. You look great. No, it's my hair is down and everything. And I've got, I've got like a little bit of eyebrow pencil. And I've always got mascara. Always just those two things. But I'm like, if you look up close, I've got like a little bit of sun damage or whatever. You know, like everyone has their imperfections. Now, what is, what do all these filters do? They gloss over all that. Mm. You'd look absolutely perfect, stunning, like you're 20. You're already thin. I don't have that. I have to fucking play with like the shape skew thing if I want to look. There's better. a shape skew? Jeez. Oh, there's everything. Not on Insta. Pixar. Everything. I don't. It's just so funny. I, I'm i not a. I don't know. I don't, so the, okay. So I have been sort of putting myself together sometimes just in case I see a specific person. I don't want to look ugly and weeks ago uh I had put on some lip liner or something and he saw me he's like oh my god you're wearing lipstick and I was like I don't have to look ugly all the time like come on so I but I can't I can't filter because I can't use the same person aren't we oh probably I can't use filters or whatever because I can't fake it because I see all the people that I'm trying to impress anyway. Like, I don't care about the people out there. They could be impressed or not impressed by me. They can think I'm cute or not cute. They can think whatever the fuck they want to think off of whatever I post on social media or whatever's out there. And it's all, I don't, I can't, I don't know how to use filters. I don't know any of that. I can't even take a goddamn selfie. But my worry is that none of those filters work in real life. (laughs) So sometimes I'm embarrassed to like, look at people in the face because that means they're looking at me in the face and that means they can see exactly how not young I am. Like I have so many wrinkles and so much skin damage and the hair, like I'm beer goggling myself constantly because I can't see anymore. So I can't see close up. I have no idea. I've got like chin hairs. My eyebrows are just a mess. Like, like I said, far away. I'm like, all right, but up close. Oh my God. I can't, 
I'm afraid of people to look at me up close. No, Pam, you're great. There's nothing, look, there's nothing, you know what? Dye your hair and go to an esthetician. They'll pluck your eyebrows, pluck your face. You'll be absolutely perfect. Well, I was, nothing wrong with you. I was thinking about dyeing my hair, but then I thought it would be too obvious because I haven't dyed my hair in like 10, 12 years and all my hair is its natural color and its natural gray and it's, it is what it is. And I know that if I just dyed my hair brown, I'd take 10 years off myself. And if I cut it like professionally or something and, but I also have this tagline of you can't sell hair dye to people with self-esteem. And I get so angry at people like constantly trying to look a certain way and like lying to everybody about their appearance. And so I try to have this integrity but that it's we're not like, lying. It's not it's not lying. I, this is the thing. It's the same thing with being positive or the fact that like I'm like I'm I sound cocky. I'm like, I know I'm a good comedian because I don't have anyone consistently telling me, so I say it. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with the fact that I put on a little bit of, you know, I put on like eyebrow pencil and I put on mascara. There's nothing wrong with the fact that I try to look good. There's nothing wrong with trying to better yourself for you. It's not for anyone else. It's not about lacking self-esteem. It's about making yourself feel good. I just, I don't know. I love my gray hair. I love it. But I know... That if I, even if I, I, you know what I might do? I might get one of those like, I'm so, being such a vain little girl right now, but I might get one of those like rinse out ones that last for like 12 washes or something. And then, because I can't handle the roots. Like if I dye it for realsies, it's going to grow out and my roots are going to be even more obvious. It'll be like, wow, you have a lot of gray hair. Whereas now it's like just sort of my hair. So yeah, you could just you know if you just consistently got the wash in wash out stuff, you could just consistently do that and then just do it every like twelve weeks or whatever. Yeah, God, <sighs> I might. I just fighting this age thing is. It's like I, it's like I chose to wage a war with age, like like I wasn't. <laughs> Like everything wasn't good enough that I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wage war right now. I'm gonna wage a 21 year war against myself, and I'm gonna try to. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. That's the thing. No, I need no, to no, make no. some fucking decisions. It's principles. That's what principles. it is. This is a stupid thing for me. I don't like this. I'm bothered with myself because if I really wanted to, I could drive out to some guy's place, risk getting COVID, and I could get fucked. I could. sure. Here's the problem for me. I like chivalry, so I really care about a guy saying to me, you know, I'll pick you up or, you know, come to my place. You know, I'd love to see it. I care about effort. Sure. I care about feeling desired. Yeah. So I have that principle, and it's sticking with me, and it pisses me off because sure. I'm, like, frustrated here. But that's what we all have. Like, oh, I'm not going to dye my hair because I've created a principle. Some people are like, I've created the principle. I'm never going to drink alcohol. And all we are is living by these structures or standards that we have placed upon ourselves. We put ourselves in our own cages and prisons. Yeah. Damn. Exactly. I, I'm absolutely doing it. It's the, same, it's the same thing where I'm like, I won't get a smartphone. But it's so stupid because right now I'm using a smartphone like a tablet and I have my actual phone as a dumb phone. I'm just and making things And you could literally just use the smartphone and it would for be the everything. same feature. Absolutely. Yeah. But because I have this weird integrity where I'm like, I'm never getting a smartphone. I 
put myself in this strange cage of being like, but I have, I honestly have done it purposely because I'm not good with technology. And if I ever do get a smartphone and I'm still not good at technology, then I no longer have an excuse. So my own structures and limits give me an excuse to not be good at technology. So I'm, I mean, I'm purposely doing it to myself because then I can be like, I didn't get that email because I don't have a smartphone. I don't have a little computer in my pocket all the time that can attach to everything because I have to oh be God, around it's, Wi-Fi. It's, it's excuses. I think it's so funny. It's funny because you're the person of everyone who's such a hippy dippy, go with the flow, nothing matters, existentialist. I think it's so funny that you live by that standard because there's nothing wrong with being like, I don't care about technology. But to inconvenience yourself further as a step of principle makes no sense. Exactly. That's the funny thing. It makes no sense. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that I do that make no sense. A, a lot of my life right now does not make sense. People are looking. I've. I mean, people aren't looking at me. I don't have any. It's hard. Friends. What does that even mean anymore? But I. I did. I had a Zoom happy hour on Saturday with some friends I haven't seen in a long time, and they've heard vicarious vicariously through Facebooks and other people and every what I'm doing with my life right now and what, how I've kind of blown up my life for funsies during COVID. And they're like, Pam, you, what are you doing? Like why? They, they just said, we're worried about you because we think you're making choices now that like in eight, 10 months, a year from now, you're going to say that was dumb. I really regret those choices. But what are you doing right now that you'd regret? Well, I mean, I was in a seven year relationship, monogamous relationship that I sort of, blew up into the ether uh for no reason whatsoever not for no reason we weren't it was seven years is kind of the cycle of my my marriage lasted for seven years seven seven years is kind of like a an amount of time for me that seven years is how long your skin lasts on like you shed every seven years you have a whole Actually, new layer of skin did you or know whatever. that there's nothing left yourself original self after seven years because all your everything's re, re, regenerated like, it's yeah it's a it's, cellular yeah. thing so I think the seven year cycle also seven is a really it's a number that's been with me for a long time but I don't know like every seven years there's kind of a large upheaval that happens no excuse me every I, every 10 to 12 years, there's a large upheaval in my life. But then every seven years, I, that's how long relationships seem to last for me. And I don't think that relationships are finite. And I don't think that we're supposed to be with the same person forever. I have an ex-husband. But I don't, and I also now, I don't think that any one person can be someone's everything. I think that's no. codependency. No. And what, yeah. what came to the crux of the relationship at the end is that I started to get things not, it wasn't sexual in any way, but my relationship wasn't fueling me artistically. And so I created external relationships that forwarded my artistic endeavors through comedy and through other things. And I got incredibly involved in those relationships that were spurring me on to be more creative and to have a higher output and a better I output, feel, honestly. No, it's so true. 
him no relationship this is the thing once again the whole seven thing that's superstition that's nihilism you got to realize that means nothing it's just that that's a mental thing humans naturally have to create reasoning mm. but i mean there's there's nothing you should feel inspired by whoever you're around the thing is you shouldn't be forced i don't want marriage i don't ever want codependency in the sense i love people i love you i love Sam, I love Nathan. I love all those people. I care about so many people. And that's the thing that I get upset about. And what makes me cry is the fact that I feel like people don't care about me as much as I care about them. But you you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel that you're being dampened. I don't like the idea of like, we need to work on our relationship. You shouldn't need to work on a relationship. I feel that you should just give each other enough space and trust and love that it's like, I feel that I'm free to do whatever. And I can talk to you about whatever. Well, and that's why I kept, and that's why I I was super honest with him. And I was like, let's do this honestly. I'm going to tell you what's going on. I'm going to tell you what I'm feeling. I'm going to tell you what I'm, what I'm working with. And he was like, I don't want to be involved in this. And I was like, fair enough. Absolutely. Totally fine. Um, so I wasn't an open relationship you had. No, it wasn't. And I was trying to open it up and he was like, after seven years, you don't fucking open up a relationship after seven years. And I'm like, isn't that when you open up a relationship? I don't know. I don't know how relationships work. I don't know how anything works oh, anymore. No, 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 no. There's no, there's no structure to anything in life. People tell you, you do comedy a certain way. This is the rule. First, you have to work yourself up. You need to stay good on one scene. Right. No, there's no fucking rule. There's no rule. There's no structure relationships. There's no rules or structures. All there is is limitations that humans put on each other. Mm. We put ourselves in a prison, a mental prison. And I never want to be in a relationship where I go, this is fully monogamous because I don't ever want that limitation where I go, hey, there's a cute Dutch boy that wants to fuck me. I, I now feel emotionally burdened that it's going to hurt you because I did that. No. I'd rather we both just recognize that we're humans and we have those instincts. I love the Dutch. Who doesn't love guys from Amsterdam? Dutch guys are tall, blonde. I have a thing about blondes. Yeah. I I told you, I I think it's so fucking funny. We should go to Amsterdam together. You can go to Amsterdam. You're allowed to go to Amsterdam. I've been to Amsterdam a bunch of times. I have buddies that live in Amsterdam. I, I, I bet it's great over there. It's amazing. Well, who knows when we're allowed to travel again. But, oh, my God, Amsterdam is one of the most amazing cities. My, bu- my buddy Peter Duddington lives there. He's an t- American tattoo artist, and he moved there, and he's been there for years. He's also a filmmaker. He's totally hilarious and amazing. Great, great, great artist, too. He did this tattoo for me. Anyways, he's – um. I he, a tattoo. Oh, I have a billion tattoos. But he – um. He's amazing and hilarious, and he's been living there for so long. I was there in August, and he took me to this party. He took me and uh, Jonathan, my ex-boyfriend, he took us to this party, and it didn't start until 1 in the morning, and it was this crazy underground music, and there were all these people, and it was so fun, and I was looking around. I was like, I am not cool enough to be here. Like I was looking at all these people dancing and being awesome, and I'm like, how am I here in Amsterdam at 4 in the morning like this is crazy it was so fun and it was because my buddy peter is he's on the he's on he knows everything he knows all the people he knows all the great bars so like if we went to amsterdam i'd know oh i know exactly where to take there i my buddy she owns two houseboats and so we could stay on a houseboat in the center of amsterdam and oh it's so romantic and amazing oh my god i love traveling yeah 
we're gonna do this yes amsterdam is is really not that expensive it's one of the cheapest places to fly in and out of because it's such a big hub and it's easy to get to other places in europe from there because they are such an international hub it i've gotten tickets three hundred dollars round trip i've gotten them from um new york to amsterdam well i mean i'm i'm from canada so it's different for me but i i i could teach you lessons about traveling girl when i was in san francisco i didn't spend a fucking dime yeah good for you I never spend money. I people give me food, people give me drinks. It's fucking magical. It's magic. <laughs> yeah, it's it um is. I'm super it frugal is. too. I'm I'm very, very frugal. That's the only bummer yeah, when no. I travel in Europe, my food stamps don't work. <laughs> no, they only work well, in the United States. No, I know. You have a real job. If you're job. really nice. If you're really nice, I mean I, I could just be this stupid ditzy, like, you know, every boy is so nice to but I was so lucky. I'd be, I I went around like San Francisco and every time I went out to a bar someone would be like, Hey, you want a drink? Someone would be like, Oh, that's a great comedy set. Wanna grab a bite? And I was like Yeah. Well and that's something that I'm trying to learn how to do is when people are being generous, say yes. For some reason so the the other day when my bag was stolen, this really nice man drove me around looking for stuff for a minute. And when he let me out of his car, he offered me 20 bucks and I wouldn't take it. And I probably should have taken it. I should have. Because he knew everything of mine was just stolen. Like all my money, everything. And he offered me 20 bucks and I wouldn't take it. I said, no, 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 you don't have to do that. And I should have. People offer me all the time things and I say no. Someone offers me a drink and I'm like, oh, no, 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 it's okay. And I should learn. Yes, ma'am. I should learn how to say yes more. And I, I don't because I'm worried about inconveniencing people. But if they offer, it's almost rude to say no thanks. So I'm going to try to learn how to do that. People have offered me things a lot. And I say, oh, no, 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 that's okay. Even when I want things. But I don't know what it is about my upbringing or my past experiences that I choose to say no. We've all got hangups. We all have issues that are like that. And I had to learn so hard to be a yes man. If I didn't learn that in travels, if I didn't, I look the way I got around that last trip. Every time I go on a trip, I contact everyone I can say, do you know anyone I could stay with anyone that could help? I just want to achieve this when I'm going away. I'm trying to do stand up. It always somehow comes through. I don't, it magically does. I contact a bazillion people, but I never say no always take the opportunity yeah yeah that's a something i need to i need to learn how to do because i because of my control issues my first answer is always no because for some reason if it comes from my head it's yes but if it comes from someone else i usually because it's not my idea maybe i say oh no but i need to learn to be like absolutely because when i offer things to people they take them and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not offering for any other reason other than to offer. So, because I want to do yeah. something for them. So I, I mean, need that's to, the thing. yeah, you, you were like, you know, you could do, um, you could do a podcast with me or whatever. I'm like, absolutely. Yes. I would definitely take up the opportunity because I always do that with people. I'm like, Hey, would you like to do a live stream? Would you like to hang out? Because I will. I don't say no to chances because you never know where it'll take you. Unless it's like, you know, a crazy, like, hey, want to try heroin and like, you know, (laughs) you know, I'll do most things. I'm trying to think the last time I, no, when was the last time I said no and I really regret it? Probably last Saturday. What did you say no to? 
Uh, well, I didn't say no to myself, but I said no to some other people. Uh, the, the boys wanted to all do my drugs, and uh, I, I just didn't have enough for the whole group. And so I said oh, no. Okay. And I went home alone and did them by myself. <laughs> because because I'm the stingy. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm very frugal, and I was think I was that wasn't right. So, are you going to work? Yeah, I am. I I have to go to work in a minute. That's why, that's why I'm like, girl. It's like you're my girlfriend. I love it. I'm like I I will always tune in to anything that you're doing. I listen to the whole thing with Warhol. I'm like, life is what you make of it, right? Right. So right. That's I never will turn down the opportunity to hang out with friends, and well, I'll never you- turn out down. Why won't you read the scripts? Why why you always hang out in the room but you don't want to be an actor? Um okay, this is going to sound so bad and you're going to think very badly of it. This <sighs> I have a terrible attention span for anyone else's work and I find it to be so difficult to actually read someone else's thing and do it with any kind of motivation because for me I feel completely detached if I didn't myself write it or it isn't a one-on-one conversation. Absolutely fair. It's a fucking fair assessment and that you know that. That's great. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's I hard. Like it I really wish I could be involved. I do. I do want to. It's just that there's something in me that goes, you're just going to fucking hate this and it's going to be like poisoning yourself and it's just going to be sitting there reading through something you feel nothing for. Interesting. And I'd rather listen to someone else do it. Yeah. At least I feel like you guys care. That's rad. Yeah, it's hard when I'm acting in those scripts. It's really hard. Like last Friday, I'm kind of bummed that I had to act so much because... I wasn't able to fully immerse myself in the happiness and joy and wonderment of the moment because I was so focused on like trying to act good and trying not to fuck up the lines. Whereas I would have just rather sat back and listened and watched and had some visual memories. But all I could now I have the podcast, which I've listened to a couple times, which was hilarious. But I was just staring at the screen because I was so worried about fucking up that I didn't get to be immersed in the moment. I understand as I to exactly. I, I it's like that for my live streams. I'm walking around the parking lot and I feel like, oh, I fucked this up. I should have said this. I should have done that. You know what? I literally did that entire thing without a plan. No one's saying anything. It was all just what was popping up in my head. And I watch it back after and I'm like, shit, I'm talented. Yes, I'm you are. Yeah, it's funny. like a podcast. You're just saying, but it's a, it, I mean, it's a, it's a podcast with a face. It's it's a video. It's great. It's good stuff. Okay, go to work. You're amazing. This has been super fun. We'll do this again. Hey, everybody. Lizzie Stanton live here on Mutiny Radio. You want to say a joke before you go? Uh, no, no. I, I think I'm good. It's my last she's, enough joke. She's it. joked out. She's joked out. Okay, love you, Lizzie. Bye. 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 listeners i'm gonna get out of this thingy you've been listening to some call me tim that was a lot of fun today i had a great time thanks to warhol kaufman thanks to josh khan thanks to lizzie stanton thank you so much everybody for being here on some call me tim thank you to friedrich nietzsche for providing us some lovely things to think about today philosophy and life everything's gonna be okay guys everything's gonna be okay man first implanted value into things 
to maintain himself. He created meaning of things, a human meaning. Therefore, he calls himself man. That is the evaluator. Evaluation is creation. Beat it, you creative men. Valuing, it, valuing is itself the value and the jewel of all valued things. Only through evaluation is there value. And without evaluation, the nut, oof, is that safe? The nut of existence would be hollow. Hell yeah. You're right, Nietzsche. All right, thanks again for listening to Some Call Me Tim. I've been your host, Pam Benjamin. Again, thanks to Warhol Kaufman, Josh Kahn, and Elizabeth Stanton out of British Columbia. I'll be back Friday, 6 o'clock, for happy hour. We're going to be having outside comedy again at 7 o'clock, keeping social distance. Maintain your distance at 7 o'clock. We're going to be inside here. No more than 5 because we are not gathering. And then outside, no one will be gathering. They're all going to have social distance. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope that you join us then auditorily because we'll also be podcasting and streaming everything live here on mutinyradio.fm. Pick up our app for your Apple phone. And if you are listening on our website, just go right over there to that GoFundMe and click it and help us stay alive here in the mission, providing you free speech, social commentary, activism, existentialism, everything else in between. Thanks again. Bye-bye.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio, my friend. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny radio, my friend. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. 
So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! 499. Tired of paying too much for your internet? Contracts and hidden fees got you down? Tired of supporting the same big cable companies that lobby against a free and open internet? Get Monkey Brains! Monkey Brains is a local internet provider who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local, and 100% net neutral. Residential internet for only $35 a month, business packages starting at $75 a month, Go to monkeybrains.net and sign up today. Hey, everybody. Listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. We're hosts of <laughs> YouTube uh, with Michael Spiegelman. Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. We watch a full-length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and yeah. watch the movie at the same right. time. Yeah. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That's every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, 5%. 5% yeah, right. I'm so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show, 5 p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh. Let's watch full length. All right, let's do a full minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See you next month. download a podcast and you
can listen on the go. Listen to live streaming radio. Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. Mutinyradio.fm. Why not make a donation? Mutinyradio.fm. Streaming live to the station. Mutinyradio.fm. District of the Mission. Mutinyradio.fm. Mutinyradio.fm. Listen to live streaming radio or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. Look, why not go to mutinyradio.fm, hit the donate button, stream them live. Good evening there, my friends here at mutinyradio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak ceiling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.com.